Hi, I'm a higher ed CMO, and I have a confession to make. While issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion are really, really important to me, I haven't always understood how the practices and policies of my department sometimes keep students from underrepresented minorities from having the experience that they need to have on our campus and with my office. That's why today I am so excited to talk to Anise Barbosa, who's going to be telling us a little bit about how she developed an inclusive and equitable student ambassador program at her institution. Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at at JamieHuntIMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C for more opportunities to connect. So today I am here with Anise Barbosa, who is the Digital Marketing Director at Wheaton College, Massachusetts. Hi Anise, it's great to have you on the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited about this topic um, that we're going to discuss today. And But first, I really wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about your higher ed journey to kind of set the stage for our conversation. Um, like you mentioned, I am the Director of Digital Marketing at Wheaton College in Massachusetts. I have a background in agency work prior to Wheaton, and I found myself really compelled with the mission of higher education when I was ready to leave agency. So I started at Wheaton in a social media capacity, um, and I did it for about eight years. It's kind of like the thing that brought me into marketing in general. And during the pandemic, I, like a lot of people, started like looking at my career and reevaluating where I wanted it to go. Digital marketing just felt like the next thing for me. I was promoted in the fall of 2021 into this role. I over, I still oversee social media as part of this role. Um, I also oversee our web and our paid um, uh, marketing as well. And you are such a great addition to the higher ed digital marketing sort of community. And I love that you're, you're already presenting at conferences and, and doing all of that. Um, the, what sparked my interest in talking with Anise was um, she recently presented on creating an equitable and inclusive student ambassador program. And I think that's a really important topic. Um, and you presented that the Case Social Media and Community Conference. For the purpose of the presentation, what do you mean by student ambassadors? Um, so uh, we have a different student ambassador programs that we in. There are some that work for admission, um, some that work for athletics, like in all sorts of like kind of they're the four, again, playing the ambassador role for our institution. Um, for the purpose of my presentation, I'm talking about the ones that work with us on social media. So we employ a small team of three content creators 
They are the face of our institution on Instagram, TikTok, previously on Snapchat when we created content there. They also work in um, conjunction with our content team. They do photography. Again, three student employees who work uh, as an extension of the core marketing team. Um, there are several models for this across campus, but our students kind of really embody um, the work that we do. They are, they're not just like task masters, right? They, they do all sorts of really strategic things for us. Um, as we all know, like, peer, like students want to hear from their peers, not necessarily from the institution. So they play a really crucial role in our marketing. So that's why we call them ambassadors and not interns or student workers, because they're truly taking on a really big responsibility um, and a major role in the messages that we put out into our communities. Based on your presentation, you talked a little bit about running into an understanding that your student ambassador program was maybe not as inclusive or diverse as you might hope at the institution that you're at. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? For full disclosure, I am a person of color. So if you're only hearing this through audio, you don't know that um, I am African and I'm always aware of that fact and how many spaces I'm the only one. Um, and when we began creating content in these very external and highly visible ways, it was apparent to me and also to our community that perhaps we are not showing uh, our students, all of our students, we're not being representative in the kind of students that attend Wheaton. Um, I had been managing our social media for maybe two years before I got my first message, but when I did, it was from somebody I cared about that was like, oh, how dare you <laughs> type of situation. Like, you are a person of color. How come you guys continue to hire only white students or even mm -hmm. a certain category of students to carry the Wheaton message? And um, it gave me pause. Um, I think being called in in this way, um, first, it like hit me where it hits most people first in your ego. You're like, well, but I'm doing all the right things. I'm posting the position. I'm doing outreach. I've interviewed so many students of color or even diverse students in general, not just students like, a, you know, that look like I do. But how come I'm not hiring them? Mm. So it, it made me stop and think. And in 2020, when everybody was kind of like checking in on what are we doing to become more anti-racist? What are we like? What are we doing to create accessible spaces and places for belonging? Um, I it made me stop and think and look at everything that we're doing. So, when in your presentation you talk a little bit about sort of going back to uh, ground zero and figuring out how you've been recruiting students and how did you approach getting that information from the students you recruited and those you didn't recruit? It was really hard because, um, again, you're asking people to evaluate something that you did and something that hurt them. Like, I, I, I would say that there were at least one person that this, the outcome of my hiring hurt them personally. Mm -hmm. I damaged a personal relationship. So going back and being like, hey, can you tell me what it is that I did? And, it, it, you know, and it's like, I should know, right? Um, so it, it, I... Again, it was a very vulnerable experience for me. Um, I started with the students that we have and just asking them about their experience and it, things began to click for me, right? So something as small as like, send me a sample of your work 
right? Which is not uncommon for you to ask somebody who is going to be a content creator or even take photos to send samples of your photos. And then just looking that like the students that had access to great equipment in high school, great mentorship, uh, or even personal equipment provided the better examples. And students who don't have access to those things didn't, right? And it was like, oh, oh my God, like, what am I doing? This is not, Mm. this is not a fair practice. Um, So again, um, started initially with our students and then once um, those things began clicking for me, I knew where I went wrong. So and, and starting to look like, where am I asking for referrals? Am I creating kind of like this tiny little niche group that click, click mm. almost? Like that people who know each other refer people to this job. Am I recruiting for a specific, from a specific major? Am I recruiting from a specific pool? So things like that began to click for me first. And when I reached out to the students that I did not hire, um, I went in with a more clear of like, okay, I understand what went wrong here. This is what I'm thinking of making this better. What do you think? Do you think this is a sound plan? Am I missing anything? Um, I would say from that kind of point of introspection, the conversations were a little bit easier. um, And the input that I got from the students that I did not hire was very valuable. So they pointed out things like, not everybody is a film and new major, I mean, mm. film and new media studies major. Some of us are in business, some of us are in marketing, some of us are in creative writing. And um, again, are you asking for referrals from the people that you already hire? Maybe all of their friends look like them, right? Mm. Um, which professors are you reaching out to? Which community members are you reaching out to? So the conversations were richer and perspectives that I had not considered came up um, in this, but by no means were they easy. Um, and uh, it, it took quite a bit of time to walk through all of them, but I, I kind of started to do my own discovery um, before I involved students. Because the last thing I wanted to do was come up like, can you tell me what I did wrong and how to make this better, right? I think that work was still mine, um, but also wanted their input. Yeah. You also talk a little bit about that they felt that the content that was being created wasn't telling the whole story of the institution or wasn't diverse enough. Can you tell me a little bit about the feedback that you were getting on that? Yes. So um, this this goes back several years. So like we we used to get like random things like, oh, you only show certain aspects of student life. So our student ambassadors, like the way that they create content is like we look at what is happening on campus and then pick the events we want to cover or the photos we want to take. And a lot of it, because we lean so much into the authenticity um, for the students, they end up being things that the individual students want to do. So for example, we had two students who were like highly involved in like arts. And so we ended up covering a lot of arts. Um, And the other student was really interested in just like landscape photography or architecture Mm. photography so it ended up looking like that so our feed for a long time you can even go to our instagram and scroll back and see it was just campus photography very little student life and our story content was very much artsy right Mm. um and it 
it wasn't holistic of the college. There's just so much more that happens at Wheaton. And I think we were also very much tied into maintaining an aesthetic look to our Instagram, um, keeping the grid beautiful, like fall foliage, spring flowers, snow during winter, that it, it wasn't a good and full picture of what Wheaton is and what our students look like or even student life looks like. So when I started, I, first I checked it up to being like, all right, it is what it is, right? It's authentic. These are the students that we have. Um, so I dismissed a lot of that feedback initially. I'm like, I know I'm doing my part in, doing, in providing an authentic representation. And from my perspective, a lot of it felt holistic, right? I'm like, I'm showing student clubs. Yeah, it's arts and other things, but I'm showing that they're student clubs, showing that we have thematics team houses, right? From this perspective, I'm showing kind of like the big buckets, but the nitty gritty of it. Um, I think I was quick to dismiss that, right? Because I, I thought my job was done in having a student tell the story of the student experience um, and not dig too deep into the granular part of it. And this is where I'm being like really vulnerable about what it is. <laughs> like, it's not that we didn't have a social strategy. We did, but I just don't think uh, any of us like thought and dug deep enough to see like which stories are we telling? Are people seeing themselves in them? Um, are the students that we want to attract to and seeing people like them or hearing stories that resonate with them? I don't think we did initially look at it from that angle. Hey all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I wanna take just a quick moment to thank my friends at Nectar who made this new Enrollify podcast possible. Nectar brings affordable communications infrastructure to college campuses. It's like Slack, but for the higher ed student experience. Nectar integrates seamlessly with all major LMSs, making it easy for instructors and administrators to build emergent learning communities in all of their classes and groups without the extra work. Their focus is on boosting student engagement and reducing instructor stress by building a learning community in every classroom. By leveraging familiar technology like instant messaging channels, Nectar prepares students for the remote yet collaborative work environment of the future. You can learn more about their platform by heading on over to Nectar, that's N-E-C-T-I-R dot I-O, and be sure to tell the team that Jamie sent you their way. So what changes did you end up making to the recruitment process for recruiting student ambassadors? Several, several changes. One, we expanded the program because we started with one ambassador and then we added two more. Um, so again, like we're a very small school, but for us, like two more positions than we had is big and we're hoping to continue to expand. Um, this year, we actually just posted our um, vacant position. So one, we ex like, added more positions and two, the recruitment process itself before it was just, we asked our students who are currently employed if they knew other people who wanted to be interested. And then we would reach out to our admission counterpart and ask for referrals from any students, from the tour guides, from the students who do info sessions and interviews, if there were any that would make for great personalities for content. So that was the extent of it. Um, I think we one year we posted the position publicly and the next year we didn't. So mm. now we post the position public really early on it's already been our school like our semester doesn't start until the end of this month and we posted our position in july so we open it up to everybody we keep it open up until the first week of classes giving everybody the opportunity to apply we advertise it on our social accounts i'm sorry we share in our social accounts. i shouldn't say advertise um uh, we share in our social accounts and we 
um, expanded the group of people that we reach out to. So now we solicit a referral from professors at large, uh, the ones that we have relationships with, um, and we also send it to professors that we think, hey, you might know people that we don't. So we look at the business program, we look at all the creative and the business programs, um, and we also solicit feedback from club leaders, like from students themselves, right? We send an email to everybody who's a club leader being like, hey, do you know somebody who would be good for this? And from our peers, from staff peers, like we're talking about people in student, or, uh, student life or in student organization management. We talk to our peers in our multicultural center, our Office of Institutional Equity and Belonging. We're really mindful about just expanding the pool of referrals so we're not relying on a single source. Mm. So that looks very different. That's just the recruitment part of it. The application itself, before we used to ask somebody to send a sample. Uh, now we eliminated that. Like, like, as I mentioned, it kind of like created this system, the haves and have nots. And mm. now like we don't have that at all. We just have a simple form where you fill out why you want to work for us. And as part of the interview process, everybody gets asked to submit a 15 second clip uh, of like a random prompt. Last year we did a day in the life content and everybody has to do it on a phone. And if you don't have a phone or if you want to use a more high tech form, I mean phone, we make our office phone available to our students so that like your content won't look different because you don't have access to equipment. Um, and the re like interview process is uh, not just me, uh, it will be me, our social media manager. And once we like get down to our finalists, we will ask our current students to also weigh in. And because again, they know each other, they know which um, spaces they occupy and know like how an additional person or two people would complement them. So these are all the changes that we have made in the recruitment and um, process. Um, and we also made a ton more in the retention side of things. And I'm happy mm. to talk about those as well. Yeah, so yeah, tell me about that. What did you do on the retention side? So um, again, it's just not bringing people in, it's keeping them in. Um, I brag that, like, not just me, like my manager previously too, we used to brag that we have the best job on campus, that once our students were in, they never wanted to leave, because um, it's a lot of fun. So I wanted to make sure that if I'm bringing people from underrepresented communities, that they felt the same sense of belonging in these places. So. Um, we, we meet once a week with our students, one-on-one uh, -on -one to plan our week. Like half of the meeting is that, the other half is knowing what is it that you're going through. We have very deep personal relationships with our students. Uh, they know we are a resource for them outside of work. You're not just here to do work. We're invested in, in your career at Wheaton. We want to make sure that you are successful. We communicate that from the beginning, that your first and only priority is graduating. Mm -hmm. And we are all on that same boat. So if at any point uh, academics needs to take precedence over the work that you're doing, that's okay. So we create that, that space, right? That we're all here for you. You get to work with us and do fun stuff and important work. We make that clear that it's important work, but that your main priority is that it's uh, getting through college and we're here and committed to you and getting you to the finish line. And we've had students who have had to take like a week, two weeks off, or even a full semester off because of academic pressures. And we create that culture of understanding. And besides that, like we do outings with our students at least once a semester. We'll go off campus for lunch or for like boba tea or something like that. Um, and we have also 
created a line in our budget to support equipment. Um, so I, for a lot of these ambassador programs, I know Wheaton is not the only one. Sometimes we end up relying on student equipment, um, mm. student phone for content creation, or even their own personal cameras if they have access to it. Um, we invested a significant amount of money in creating kind of like a starting point. So we have a camera, a phone, a tripod, ring light, these things, just have them accessible. So if you have one and you want to use yours, great. But if you don't, that you don't feel like you're behind the ball. Again, just like providing like the basics to get work done. And um, so we, for that part of it, it's a continual um, investment every year. It's a permanent line in my budget. Um, and we talk about it, like, what is it that you want to try? Like last year, one of the purchases that we made was for a gimbal for a camera because um, one of our students wanted a stable environment to shoot video in. And it makes sense. Like you're studying film inside the classroom and you probably don't have a ton of opportunity to practice that and this job might allow you to. And if it makes sense for us, which it did, um, we ended up buying it. So we look at it from this holistic view right like you would any other person who works for you you want to keep them engaged you want to keep them happy feeling like they belong feeling like you're invested in their learning and their growth um, we have just extended it down to our students um, which i think it's the only way to go um, but it wasn't always that way so it sounds like you're creating equitable practices. So before it was maybe equal, everybody has the equal opportunity to apply, but you're creating practices that allow people, um, like you said, with, without equipment or without having that training in their high school experience or whatever, to have the same playing field or the same opportunity to represent the university. And it's not really a checkbox. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and it, it, again, it, Again, this goes even further, like these are just like small aspects of the job. But like one of the things that I took on this past semester is looking at compensation, right? Uh, one of the pieces of feedback that I got from previous students was like, this is not a minimum wage job, right? And it isn't. Anybody who manages social discontent creation can tell you it is not a minimum wage job. So part of the review that we did, we increased the pay for our students and something as small as that and you're still vying, like again fighting for resources internally but also advocating for lifting the cap on what students can earn uh, like again any other institution has a cap on student earnings for student jobs right so for for me this past semester like this is what i focused on is advocating with college leadership to increase the stipend that for students it had not been review, reviewed since 2006 and just for inflation alone like it should be be way more than what it is and I, I, I was really excited this uh, July when I got an approval that not just for my students but for all of our student employees the cast was lifted and again it's it, it takes kind of this intentional work <laughs> to get there and something that started like as a superficial audit of how many photos of like underrepresented populations do we have on Instagram became this thing that that is more meaningful that took more effort uh, that is like not 5% <laughs> duties as a sign, but it is incredibly important. So yeah, like uh, that is my goal to continue to explore this and what other inequities do we have and continue to listen to our students when they come to us with kind of these pain points because I think it's so easy to dismiss. Um, but 
I, my commitment to our student workers and truly to myself is to continue to stay open and listen and remove my ego a little bit from it because uh, I think it, it can get a little tricky. So with that in mind, how did the content shift once you started recruiting a more um, diverse and inclusive group of students? How did the content on your social t- platforms change? Oh my God, it's entirely different. So I would say if you go back and look, just our Instagram, because it is probably the easiest to kind of assess this, is just seeing everything prior to 2021 and everything since um, we've made these changes. It is more vibrant. We are getting all sorts of things. We have athletics content. We have like our student, um, like, clubs all of them truly we have the dance club we have the social justice and community impact activities it it just looks entirely different it's more vibrant and now that we have more students there are different styles right we have um, reels that shows some of our more quirky students more artsy students and what they're doing we have stuff from our farm group um, because again when you have a more diverse pool with more diverse interests like that content bubbles up, right? Like we have a student that's really committed to like mental health um, on campus. And so a lot of the events that she'll want to cover come from that angle. One of our students is very entrenched in the arts and performance arts. So a lot of the content that she ends up putting together is that. And one of our students is really involved in student government and advocacy. So like, again, we're getting like different aspects of student life and what it is that you can do at Wheaton so it looks entirely different. Even things that we used to do before, like study abroad content, like getting their perspectives and their input. I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should take this approach to covering it, not the way that it has always been done. So from like a visual perspective and what we end up putting together, it looks different, but also from like the way we think about it, right? Having more input from students who are closer to our uh, target audience, it, it helps a ton. Yeah, I bet. I think it's it's really important to have the insights of the audience and to say, yeah, this is just curated, very carefully curated marketing content um, versus something that's a much more authentic representation of your campus community. I think that makes a big difference. And Gen Z is really savvy. I think they know when something is just a curated marketing spun uh, photo or video or whatever. And this more authentic voice, I think, is something that they probably resonate more with. Has that been your experience? Have you gotten positive feedback about those changes? Oh, absolutely. I think before we used to get called out, like, you know, an incident would happen. Again, we pull from the playbook, here's institutional response to it. And then right away, like we would get those comments, right? Like, you're truly not about this uh, type of comment. And, And sometimes like, again, the way our students like, were the like again the face of the institution on Instagram it opened up a lot of our students to unfair criticism Mm. um but I think um now like I'm not saying we have solved all the world's problems uh we certainly haven't we still get from time to time but I think it's less frequent um and it's not about the content we're creating we're creating in times of non-crisis, right? Like we get positive feedback from our community members, from our current students, when they see each other, when they see their event feature, when they see their club being propped up in this capacity, it's building community, right? Like you're seeing your institution kind of elevate the work that you're doing as a student. And 
again, having positive interactions before the negative ones come um, makes it easier to navigate like negative situations. Um, we have received feedback from prospective parents. We have received feedback from prospective students. Our Welcome to Wheaton Day, which is like admitted students day on campus, uh, one of the pieces of feedback that we got was that, that our Instagram content made them feel like they already knew the place oh. and that they were happy that the day lived up to that kind of expectation that they already had. Um, so hearing things like that validate us a lot in where we're headed. Um, we still have much work ahead. I don't think we have figured out all the parts of this, but it, it does keep us inspired and encouraged in following this path. So what you talked about doing was, like you said, you know, difficult work that had forced you to kind of get outside of yourself and to ask tough questions about what you were doing. Um, do you, why, did, why is it important to do that? Like, why is it critical that we approach, take this approach to our, our communications? Um, I think, again, like I'm coming at this from a perspective of somebody who was like, full transparency, I was like, I know what it's like to be left out and feeling like you're not belonging. So I didn't think I was capable of creating that space. So, and again, like in my presentation, I had a quote about like, our knowledge often stops at our level of privilege. And this is something mm -hmm. that I heard from another speaker, Rosa Mejia Cruz from University of Kentucky on another webinar, and it resonated with me, right? So this was about checking my privilege, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, I am not capable of that. I'm doing all the right things. I know what it's like to be left out. So all of these like things were like messages that I was telling myself that I was incapable or it, there's no way that I as a black woman could create inequitable practices. But to be honest, like it, it kind of hit home when one of the students that was in an interview process blocked me on social oh, just wow. because I had hurt them at that level, right? They're like, wait, I, I thought you really like were looking for somebody like me or to hear our perspective as a student like as a student and I was like okay like and and I think once you hear that from somebody you have to slow down right and check yourself and and for me it was painful to confront myself because again I thought I would be exempt from this right. um and again uh, detaching like my personal feelings right because I'm not the one who were who was like hurt by the situation or the one who felt like something didn't work out again I, I stayed engaged right like I opened myself up even when I was uncomfortable and it was really hard you know like I remember that at the end of the conversation with this particular person I felt so sad like and again I ended the conversation I sat down and like thought like I have to do different you know yeah. like I can't I can't be part of this narrative and and understanding that like it's not a checklist about having you know six photos every mm -hmm. 50 right or something like that it's not about optics it's challenging my privilege challenging my work and listening to others uh, especially to our audience when they tell us you're, you're not getting it right so it's I, I Again, it's removing yourself from it. Because um, again, I experienced both <laughs> like feeling left out. So I didn't think I was capable of creating that for other people, but I am. So 
Did you get any pushback or run into any obstacles in doing this approach, maybe from leadership or from other parts of the university? Did you run into any of that? I say this all the time. Like I, I, I rarely have to convince um, leadership of these things. Like Wheaton is deeply committed to this. And um, my VP was one of the first people, like we talked about this as setting this as a divisional goal for our team, right? And I understood that a lot of the work had to be done on my own time, but I would need input from my coworkers. I would need their involvement in the recruitment process or even input in the review that I'm doing of our content. So I didn't really run up against that. Like uh, the one part where it was more challenging was advocating for budget, right? Mm. So I went and shot for the sky because like, maybe I was like, maybe I'll land like somewhere in the moon or in the stars, but maybe I won't get the whole universe. But uh, that was the one hard part. It was like advocating for it. And um, we do have this interest, like this really kind of institutional-wide body. It's called uh, DEAL, Diversity, Equity, and Access Leadership Group. And this body also kind of takes up causes like this. So I kind of just like looked around in my community and where I could find support. And DEAL was a partner that helped me advocate for budget because, you know, and I knew I couldn't do it alone. I knew that proposing... Uh, a stipend increase for my three positions would take care of my problem, but I know I wasn't the only one having this problem. And if we're gonna address it, let's address it at the root cause and do it for everybody. So I brought this cause to deal um, earlier this year and they were on board. I had support of faculty and staff uh, when it came time to put a proposal in front of our student employment group in the budget office. I had a involvement from professors from the economics department and mathematics again, I got, because again, we all employ students and it impacts everybody. And it, it's, and I think when the whole institution embodies these values and principles and we are all on board, the work is a lot easier. Uh, not saying it is easy period, because it took like several rounds of back and forth, but having that kind of community support absolutely helped. And because otherwise it would have been really lonely and really hard. Um, and again, it made me feel like I was doing something greater than me and for more than just my students. And and it encourages me to keep going because, you know, like a lot of GEI work ends up falling to people who are probably victims of the poor practices and the unfair practices. But having kind of that community support was great. Um, again, I think it, it's a lot easier at an institution like Wheaton. I, I do understand that not everybody is in the same position, but I think the same rules apply is like finding your community, finding those positions, those people who are open to doing this with you, figuring out who the decision makers are, which points do they want to hear. Um, again, and, and building your argument from that perspective, but it's definitely not work that one person can do alone. Well, I think about the work that you did, and I look back at my time, for example, at an HBCU, it's making me think about how you know, were we truly equitable in our practices or were we pulling from the same types of students and not projecting the full image of the campus? And I think about a time when, when somebody commented, um, you're only sharing photos of um, women that have straightened hair or they don't have natural hair. And it was like, oh my God, are we, we weren't doing it intentionally and it wasn't, um, it wasn't something that we at all consciously thought about, and I'm not actually sure if it was fully true, but it was 
a good moment to kind of think about are, are is there bias in what we're doing and you know it's always the royal court students who are appearing things there's always the super involved students what about the students who are commuter students or the students who are not um in every club or maybe they're not involved in things as much because they have to work you know 40 hours a week outside of being a student and are i don't like unpaid internships because i think that that's that requires a level of privilege in your personal life to be able to do an unpaid internship so making sure our internships paid but now it's like well but were they paying enough should we have been paying students a little bit more so that they didn't have to have that second job um, to pay their bills and it's just really um an eye-opening presentation an eye-opening conversation yeah and and i think like what you're pointing out is like absolutely right so these are perspectives that you're hearing and this is why I say it's not a checklist it's ongoing work right like you have to stay continuously open and engaged like and one of the things that we have incorporated as like part of our practices is like at the end of every academic year we do a check-in with our students Mm -hmm. like how is this working for you are there things that we can be doing better and taking that time to listen right and like one of the things that we heard this year was like all right the cap is like too much but I also want to be able to do x y and z on my own time as a freelance photographer are there ways that I can do this on this campus? And it's like, I don't know, but let me find out, right? Like, Because I, I still think as a manager, that is my job, mm. right? To find these opportunities for my employees. Because mm-hmm. if my web developer came to me right now and said, hey, I love doing development work, but there's opportunity to do design, I would go and seek out those opportunities for him. So keeping that kind of open-mindedness and constant engagement with our students um, has helped uh, and also with our community so if we even net positive feedback and if they're like oh my god we, I love this content from this place and like hey like what do you do is there anything interesting happening with you like or even checking with our partners are there any cool things happening on our campus like that we are not featuring are there like the social or my social media manager and I often look back and being like you know what these are the type of posts that we covered. We have a spreadsheet that we track it and we benchmark it against the institutional like strategic messages that we need to put out. Are we hitting the messages that we need to? Because I think because social media is so instantaneous and it's, it's easy to just kind of go with the flow of things and not like check in. So um, it is important to continuously mm-hmm. go back and, and look and how you're doing and listening. I think that's the most important thing is just listening to your community. Absolutely. And I think when I think about student workers and bringing them on board and shaping an internship for them, starting a conversation with what are your career goals and what skill sets do you want to gain over the course of the internship? And you're right that it's up to us to then create those opportunities for them. Yeah. And as part, we're not part of the learning enterprise, I'm putting that in air quotes, but we're not faculty, right? But we're still, we still have an opportunity to impact education for a student and to give them um, those skill sets that they maybe won't learn in a classroom or the portfolio pieces that they maybe won't pick up um, from taking a class. And so we are part of that learning enterprise and cre- yeah. curating an experience for them is important. Yeah, and I think especially like in this 
kind of capacity, like in such a visual medium, like I, all of the students have graduated from our program, like the first, actually the second student ambassador that I ever had, like he studied neuroscience at Wheaton, carried on doing pre-med and his side gig is photography, wedding photography, and this is how he's funding his education. One of our current employees got a huge internship this summer, like creating content specifically because of the content they create for we. And this is how they found them on on Instagram, on a partnership that we did with Niche. Um, and they were discovered through that post and asked if they were interested in applying and they did and got the, the internship. One of our previous students ended up at an internship at Universal, like music. Again, like it, this is like such a huge opportunity for career development and professional development that like finding like the goals for them. Like one of our students was just interested in learning video editing and that was it. Like, you know, so we made sure that the project that they worked on provided the ample opportunity and mentorship uh, to do those things and the tools right because sometimes like I believe they're a first-year student so you Mm -hmm. don't get into those classes until like maybe a sophomore or junior year so like going in with kind of this leg up because of this experience is great right Um, and having that on your resume if you're applying for internships in your junior year like you know what not only am I learning about it but here's how I executed it so we do start those conversations early on um, and we continue to engage in them we one of the students we recruited was our our history major and like second year in they decided to switch to film and new media because they enjoy the work so much and they wanted to pursue it for a career so again um Staying engaged with with them and understanding their needs and how we can support it is definitely important. You know, yes, you're going to still maybe have to do this data entry, but is there other skills or other experiences that you want to have for your resume? Um, And I think we know better now, um, and so we need to do better. My first, my job as a student was a, I did surveys for a cancer research center on campus on the phone. It was like, you clocked inside at your desk, did the surveys and closed them out and then you left. Like there wasn't like, what can you get out of this? And again, it wasn't an internship, it was just a job, right? Um, and yeah. I, I, I think there's just so much more that we can do yeah. and, uh, from this vantage point. Um, again, like I learned valuable skills in that job that I still have with me. Um, but I think if there was more intentionality about it, like I started in the sciences and I wanted to stay in the sciences, but it just didn't feel like something meant for people who looked like me, right? Like my manager at this job was another student who looked entirely different from me. And I'm like, I will never make it there. And I never did, right? Not because I'm not smart. Or, again, those opportunities were just never extended to me. And there was no engagement in assessing, again, my level of interest even, uh, not just like skill, but not even interest in whether or not I wanted something more. Tell me a little bit, how, have you been able to gauge um, if the, what you're, you've changed has had the impact that you set out to do? This past year was the first year in this model. We learned a lot of valuable things as we went. Like again, we learned some lessons about salary expectations, whether we're meeting them or not. Um, and we also have started like some deeper conversations with like at a much senior level about who we are as an institution and which values do we want to talk about. Like, because again, I think a lot of it can be driven by the community, but the institution has also to kind of back it up. So um, from that level, like it's an ongoing work. Um, 
and how like can we evolve but from the things that we set out to do like we wanted to diversify our workforce and we did we wanted to create a community of belonging we had two new hires and like one student that had already been would they be able to like kind of create community for themselves would they be engaged would they want to come back to this and they do so we're happy to like welcome back like our previous students and another student this semester um, well, hopefully this semester when we hire a new one, but like, again, it, it, keeping them engaged and, and again, uh, creating the community and a sense of belonging for them and something that they look forward to coming back to. Like I, I have a group chat with our students. There's an active countdown for when they're coming back and we're looking forward to welcoming them to campus. Um, from an institutional level, there's still a little bit of work that we need to do in kind of determining which like messages or which conversations we want to be a part of. Um, the deal uh, group that I mentioned took this up um, also this semester. So we have like kind of a awareness month that we believe align with our vision and uh, with our mission as an institution and beginning to like sketch out like which approach do we want to take on this one you know like is this a message that would be best delivered by the institution or by a student by a club by like a historical perspective on what it is that we have done so that work is ongoing um, but that is something that we had not previously done intentionally, right? We were like, oh, National Trans Awareness Day, let's tap into the conversation. But now we're looking at it like more like, okay, what is it that Wheaton has to say about this? Who should be delivering this message? And um, so that is something else that we're doing and working with our students on it, um, but also with college leadership. We are checking in frequently about the culture we're creating. Again, like in my presentation, I said I was actively pursuing for compensation, but we, we have gotten there. Like I've gotten approval uh, for a better budget that better fits the needs for our students. Um, so it, it's still a work in progress, um, but I think we are headed in the right direction. We have certainly hit a lot of the milestones that we wanted to at this point, um, but it is ongoing work. I think that's really important to think about, the idea that this is ongoing. This isn't a one semester or one academic year where you figure it out and then you just have it. Where can people find you if they're interested in following you or having a conversation with you about what you did? Yeah, well, I'm very easy. Anise Barboza everywhere. I'm probably the only person with this name. Um, but I'm really um, tapped in on Twitter. Like, that's the easiest way to find me. Um, also on LinkedIn, Anise Barboza. I'm happy to chat about this. Um, it, I think it's a very important conversation for all of us to engage in. And if, if my experience can help somebody else, I'm happy to sit down with you, talk and ideate. Um, after my case presentation, I've received a lot of outreach about this. I've shared my presentation with folks, um, shared my time too. Like, so I'm, I'm open um, to continue this conversation with others. I would love to hear from you about your thoughts on what we talked about today and whether it's something that you're thinking about or something that you've done to try to create um, more equitable and inclusive practices in your office. You can join the conversation using the hashtag HigherEdCO on Twitter. Um, you can also find me there. I'm happy to have a conversation, you know, share my insights if you're interested in them. I am at Jamie Hunt IMC. That's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-E. And to the listeners, have a wonderful day and let's go bust some silos.
Hey y'all, Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.